Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsblog 20 podcast series in which we celebrate 20 years of Arsblog by talking to a guest about a calendar year of the site's existence between 2002 and 2022. In this episode, we are looking back at the year 2004 and my guest is Charles Watts. Hello, Charles. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you very much. 2004, pretty eventful year, all things considered. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a bad one, was it? <laughs> <laughs> had its ups and downs, but you know there was there was some good moments in there for sure. Yeah, yeah, had some moments that are going to live live long in the memory. Yeah. I would, uh, I'd imagine it was. Um, yeah, like you said, ups and downs. It wasn't all all great, wasn't it? It no. wasn't all celebrating that the the Premier League trophy. There were some some of the dark. <laughs> actually, I'd say almost my worst my worst ever night supporting Arsenal. And you know, I was at the Champions League final in '06. I was at Zaragoza in uh, Paris. I was in Copenhagen for the Galatasaray defeat, and I still think <laughs> probably the worst night of my Arsenal sport in life came in 2004 at Highbury against Chelsea. So we're kicking off on a on a high note here. We might as well yeah. talk about this while we're on it because <laughs> yeah, I know no, ex- yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, and that is the the Champions League quarterfinal against Chelsea. And I, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I, I was at the Champions League final in 2006 as well, and it was obviously heartbreaking. And I've seen Arsenal lose big games and pass up big opportunities in the past. But I don't think I have ever experienced a physical reaction to an opposition goal like that Wayne Bridge goal. No. And where I, where I was sitting in Highbury back then, because I, I obviously moved around Highbury over my years mm. there from when I first started going in 89. And by the time it was 2004, I think I think 2000 we moved there. We moved from, we were in the West Stand and we started off like in 98 when we won the double, we were at the North Bank end of the, I think we were still in the Junior Gunner section or the family section mm. that was kind of at that end of the West Stand. But by the end of it, we'd move down next to the away fans because you know the last block of the West Stand was, um, was the away fans um, as well as the clock end bit. And I was about, I think I had about, there was about 12 seats between me and the away fans. Oh. And I'll oh, just never forget full time having to walk past, get sort of get down the aisle and get to the stairs that were literally next to the Chelsea fans. And they were all just leaning over the railings, just giving it. I'll, I'll never forget it. It was just horrendous. I just felt sick, absolutely yeah. sick to the bottom of my stomach. It was just a horrendous night. Yeah. Awful. And, you know, it was exacerbated, wasn't it, by what happened in the Champions League that season? Yeah. The well, teams... I remember when it got to the bottom, you got out of the West End, you sort of mm. shuffled towards the exit to get back onto the road. 
and it came through that Monaco had just knocked out Madrid. Mm. It was like it was full time. It just come and it was just like, oh my god, Madrid are out, and you just knew who was left at that stage if you'd have got through. And it was like, ah, yeah. I, I got home. <laughs> it's the only time it's ever happened. I mean, I've done this journey countless times in my life, and I ended up getting on the wrong train at Paddington oh, no. and ended up at a station that I still see today. Don't even know what station it was. Oh my god! And thinking I'm on the wrong train. I was just in such a daze trying to get home that I just ended up just jumping on any old train, got on the wrong one, and got to a station that probably isn't too far away from where I live, and I still don't know where it was. Oh. And oh, it's just a horrible night. It really oh. was because the opportunity was there. When you look at the yeah. teams that were in the semi-finals that year, then it was Monaco, it was Chelsea, Monaco and Chelsea, and um, you know uh, Chelsea went out to Monaco, and then the other semi-final was Porto and Deportivo La Coruña. Yeah, and you know I, I I do feel like there's a sliding doors moment, not just for for Arsenal, but for football as a whole. I wonder what might have happened if we'd stopped Jose Mourinho winning yeah. the Champions League that season? Would he just be some kind of regular guy who's scratching around in the lower leagues or, or in whatever? But, you know, it turned out that that, that provided him with a, a real platform to launch his career and for all the evil that that has foisted upon us over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was um, You could see it happening. I remember the second half, because mm. we went in, Reyes had just scored at half-time, just for half-time, hadn't they, right in front of us at the mm. clock end. And it was all going so well. And then you could just see the energy draining out of them as that second half went on. They just looked absolutely dead on their feet. And you could see Chelsea getting on top. And there was nothing they could do about it. You could you could just see it happening. And, uh, oh, yeah, just a, just a horrible night in what what was otherwise a very very fantastic year all right well let's let's maybe uh, see if we can pick it up a bit here and talk about something a bit more positive so what else yeah. have you chosen from 2004 well obviously there was there there's the there's just plenty to talk talk about isn't there i mean it started i think it was that what was the winning run we started i think we started with a draw away at everton didn't we and mm. then it was about sort of nine games on the spin that they won and you could just see that that momentum building and building and building and um I mean, I think the Chelsea game, which I think was February time, wasn't it? Because you sort of started counting down at that point, didn't you? You could see that we were totally in command of the title, of the title race. And there was just those few games to go. You had Chelsea away. You had the United game at home. You had a Liverpool game, which was over Easter. But when they went to Chelsea and they, they went down, it was 1-0, wasn't it? And then the turnaround in that second half and... Mm. It's just, again, one of my favourite Arsenal goals or favourite Arsenal moments was Vieira's equaliser and Dennis Bergkamp's pass. Yeah. That there, is, yeah. It's, it's just one. I mean, there's so many countless Bergkamp moments I have in my mind, like the assist against Juventus. Mm. But that pass, the weight of it, the outside of the foot, Vieira not having a break stride, it was just such a magical moment that summed up the quality that ran through that team. Um, for me, it's just yeah, it's just it's one of my favourite Arsenal goals, and it's yeah. just the response there from going behind and then Edu getting the goal, winning that two one. It was that was the moment I knew after that game that you know nothing was going to stop Arsenal from winning the title that year. That yeah. it, it was it was on, and then from that point on, for me anyway, it was just a case of can we can we go through unbeaten in that league? And it was it was it was the, that was the day that really gave me the confidence that you know title was won, mm. and they had what it took to potentially go and. and and set the record. I love that goal um, as well. Just obviously aesthetically, it's it's wonderfully pleasing. The pass, the finish from Vieira, but the kind of chink of whatever is in the the back of the 
the net. Yeah. The sound when the ball hits the back of the net, which was um, clearly evident on TV. I, I kind of it was like a cherry on on top of that particular goal for me. It was brilliant, and I, yeah, I mean, you forget I think it was Ida Good Johnson put Chelsea ahead in inside a minute, something like that. It was a bit of a minute, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because I was living, I was living where I, where I live now, actually. But I was living with some mates, and we got um, we were having it was a great couple of years at, at that time. Mm. It was just an absolute pie house, and I was in the midst <laughs> of my. Uh, I was a, I was a big clubber back then, a proper trance raver, and uh, <laughs> I was I was in the midst of. I mean, every weekend was up and down the country, going to God's Kitchen in Birmingham, and just just passion in Colville and Leicester, London, Turnmills, just everywhere. And I was it was just that my weekends were spent raving somewhere all night and then trying to get home either to get to Highbury on no sleep and uh, trying to <laughs> be on my best behaviour for my dad, sitting next to my dad. Why are your um, eyes like that? Why? What's going on? Yeah. And, uh, or getting down to the pub and watching watching wherever we were playing away. Yeah. And that Chelsea game, I was watching in the pub and, and yeah, I still just great memories of being there. I don't think I slept at all. And just sitting there at the pub is yeah i think it was lunchtime kickoff wasn't it and um mind opinion and watching it and yeah i just got all my memories around then this whole 2004 period was uh getting to games trying to get to games trying to <laughs> the fact that i was, hadn't slept from my from my dad the whole time or just sitting in the pub watching the away games it was just yeah it was just a great couple of years for me oh yeah it is nice isn't it when you have that conflation of of football like an amazing era of football but also an amazing era in your personal life or a very enjoyable era in your personal life it, it's sort of adds an edge of magic to it even if i'm sure some of it might have been a bit hard work if you're coming off a, yeah, well, a night I, of clothing I, <laughs> I spent the summer in ibiza and um, i watched the cherry shield i think reyes destroyed united and cherry mm. shield that year didn't he that summer and i was I remember that watching that in ibiza surrounded by man united fans i was wearing the new arsenal top um, and uh, yeah, it's just good memories of all, all that that era. It was a fantastic time. All right, what's next? <laughs> well, I mean, the United game obviously was a big one. I, I think which was when was that? I was I'm just trying to look what it was. It was March, wasn't it? The one one. I mean, this was a point. This was the end of that winning run. It had been mm. sort of nine games through then. Was it nine? I think it was. Yeah. And then you got to the United game, and Henri scored that pile driver. And I just remember the the ending of that match just really sticks in my mind. Because we were far better than United and we'd controlled that game throughout. Henri had given them a scored and then Saha, I think, was it Saha equalised? It was Saha, yeah. wasn't it? He rolled in the equaliser and then they had a really good chance to win it. I can't remember, was it, again, was it Van Nistelrooy? Someone had a header, I think it was a header, and they put it straight at Lehman. And it, after dominating that game mm. for the entire match, we almost could have lost it in the end. And then I, I remember it finished with Henri missing that chance and then throwing a hissy fit at Lauren for not for not squaring it or, or something. Oh, and wasn't then, that the one where there was like reports of a, a bust up between the two of them and stuff like yeah, that? They yeah, definitely had, they've definitely had some bust ups yeah. in their time, though, too. I spoke to Lauren about it once. But um, yeah, it was just such a crazy ending to that game that Arsenal had absolutely controlled. It looked like they were cruising to a sort of a one 0 win, should have been more, and then mm. it sort of ended up being a really dramatic ending to the game. And I just remember leaving Highbury that day, thinking, "God, we could have lost that then." And it was that point. I always, I was so because I, I knew we'd won the title at, at this point, and it was just all about going unbeaten for me. It was just mm. we've got to do this now. It would be heartbreaking not to do it, having get yourself in this position. And you knew that you had this huge 
period coming up in the season of United in the league, United in the cup, Chelsea in the Champions League, Liverpool in the league, that mm. was basically going to define the season. And that was the first of that period of, of games. And it looked like it was going to be really comfortable, but I just remember coming out of it, it all suddenly felt a bit hectic and it, it kind of set the tone, I think, for what was to follow in the next couple of weeks. Though. So yeah, it, was really, mean, it was a really sort of crucial a crucial stage of the season. Yeah, we've already talked about the, the Chelsea game, but that United Cup game as well, where he played a team, I think uh, I think he said afterwards, in hindsight, he shouldn't have played a team as strong as the one that he did against that. But it's impossible mm. not to resist when you're playing Manchester United, particularly in that area. You've just drawn with them. You're looking to, you know, make sure that whatever momentum you have isn't too shaken. And I think that takes us, um, I don't know if this was on your list, but I, I, I assume we should talk about it anyway. The momentum that was lost when you lose to United in the Cup, when you lose to Chelsea, perhaps in part because you picked a really strong team against United and the players were, were dead on their feet. And then yeah. you have that Liverpool game. Like you say, yeah. th- this period was in many ways going to define the season and it did. I mean, it did um, when you look at the, the Champions League. But what happened against Liverpool was also not quite season-defining, but it was a, uh, a brilliant example of what Arsenal had mentally, I think. As much as technically, as much as the team was brilliant, the ability to really, really dig in and, and find the reserves that you need in that game, I think, was a perfect example. Yeah, it was, and it was, it was one of the, a really strange afternoon at Highbury. I, I remember that one. The nerves, the tension before kickoff, because of what had gone on, it was, mm. you know, really, really noticeable. And I remember Henri speaking about it once, and he could really sense. They said as soon as the players were out there, they could sense how edgy the crowd was, and it still sticks in my mind that atmosphere in the first half and Liverpool going ahead early on. Then kind of on re-equalising, you're thinking, ah, oh, you know, that's okay, we're, we're back on it. Then right before half-time, they got the, it was Owen, wasn't it, mm. from that brilliant Gerrard pass. And just at half-time, the stunned silence around the place and thinking, oh my God, are we actually going to blow this? And I'll never, I mean, it was it who equalised, it was Pires, wasn't it? Was it Pires? Mm. Yeah. And before Henri's goal. And yeah. I will never forget, there's, there's a few goals that sort of stick in my memory in terms of celebrations and the noise around the stadium and the noise when Henri's goal went in. Cause he, it was one of those things when you'd almost just been celebrating the previous goal. And then when you get the second one straight on the back of it, the, the celebrations are just amplified. But this one meant so much that like all of the pain and the frustration of what had gone on before was released in that sort of 30 second minute yeah. after the ball hit the net. And it was like Highbury was, it was, genuinely rocking. I think I seem to remember Henri saying it was the loudest he'd ever heard Highbury was the yeah. celebration after that goal. And it was, it was just, it, it was just a, a really, really special moment. It's up there in my top five Arsenal moments. I actually think the goal's a little bit overrated, <laughs> which um, <laughs> gets me a lot of abuse when I say it, because I just think it was shocking defending. I and mean, he didn't have to go through the whole team or anything. It was just really rubbish defending my Liverpool. I, I think you may have a point there, but you know, in terms of the moment, I think yeah, it, the it moment, transcends absolutely. the the, it's the up po- there with the very yeah. like I said in my top five, I think, for what it meant and the noise and the celebrations. And I think it was just on rethinking, you know, enough's enough here. I'm going to go and do this on my own. And it kind of summed him up as a player. Mm. It was just like I'm. 
this is my moment to absolutely seize the initiative here. And he just did it. He went and got the ball himself just and just was like, I'm, mm. I'm going to score a goal, whatever happens. And there are those celebrations that sort of stick in my mind throughout, throughout the years of Arshavin against Barcelona. Uh, Henri actually against United, the last minute winner at the Emirates. Uh, Henri against Leeds again. Mm. Just those absolutely lose it moment celebrations. And that one is up there. For the whole of that year, yeah, there was two goals. And I'll get to the other one later on because it's the second half of the, uh, of the year. And Henri's one against uh, against Liverpool is just it's right up there. It's one of the most, the most special hybrid moments for me. And, and the reaction that followed it. Yeah. It was just like the whole of Arsenal took this collective sigh of relief after it had gone in, thinking we're going to be all right. (laughs) The pain of what's just happened, not disappeared because it will never disappear that, that what happened against Chelsea, but just like we're, we're all right. We're we're back on track and panic over. And then obviously got the fourth goal right at the end. And, and that was it. It was, you kind of knew. And then from then on, it was all about just going the season unbeaten Mm. again, wasn't it? It was like, right. Panic over crisis, mini crisis over, let's finish this off now. Yeah, and it, look, it, in some ways it focuses you on what you have to do because you don't have any other distractions, unfortunately, but, you know, when it's all there in front of you. And I think that fourth goal kind of made that day uh, all the more enjoyable because I think if you'd been hanging on for like a 3-2 all the way to the end, I think there was about 10 or 15 minutes to go when he scored that goal. It was slightly fortuitous, wasn't it? And that there was a pass and it kind of... It deflected uh, off him and in. Yeah. saved it. It bounced, bounced mm. off him and sort of trundled in. But, yeah, um, I mean, he deserved it on the day for what he did, mm. you know. He did. And then and then after that, the, the Leeds game, which came a couple of weeks after that, was when you could tell all the nerves had gone at that point and it was just a case of, you know, this is the march towards the title now. And and they got the... I think they drew at Newcastle in between that and then they came back for the Leeds game and it was just back to the free-flowing Arsenal and, you know, it was one of the best individual performances oh. you'll ever see from a, from a footballer at the very top of his level. I mean, he was the best player in the world, in my opinion, then. I was in a, I was in a pub game. watching that and I... Um here in Dublin I was in a pub and there were fans of it was maybe Friday evening that game the Leeds game was it I can't quite remember I can't remember what night it was definitely, definitely one of the, it was definitely a night game I'm not sure what night night it was um yeah, it was a Friday evening. So it was a Friday evening in the pub in Dublin and like the place was packed and I just remember pretty much everybody being in awe of that honorary mm-hmm. performance that night. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. But the period out of all of them, the period's goal that started it off. <laughs> Was just, again, I mean, if ever there was a goal that summed up Arsenal that back then in that mm. era and that time, it was that Pires goal. Just the one touch, quick, just just went straight through him like a knife through butter. It was just a few passes, and then the Pires curling finish into a far corner. Just such slick, fast football mm. um, that just summed up that Wenger team. And, and then obviously Henri took over, and like you said, it was just it was like it was like genuinely like school ground stuff. Like that, that player on the pitch. At, who is just so far better than everyone else yeah. that no one can get anywhere near him. Like he's five years older or he's two foot taller than everyone else. Yeah. It's just like playing against four-year-olds. And, and that's what it, it was then. And it, even when they were trying, I think, was it the fourth goal when they even tried to foul him and he still managed yeah, to score he was falling? Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was just another level. And um, yeah, and he, it, like I said, for me, how, how he didn't get named Footballer of the Year or World Footballer of the Year, whatever it was back then, it was uh, just criminal. Yeah, was that when the year he lost out to um, Nedved? Nedved, yeah. Won it. I'm not sure if it was 2004 that Nedved won it because Henri could have won it like mm. three years in a row, almost around that that time. But mm. I can't remember if he was 2004. Then I think I've got a feeling it might have been 2003 that Nedved won it. Right, I can't, I can't okay. remember. 
Next game after that Leeds game, quite an interesting one, taking place yeah. at White Hart Lane and uh, a chance for Arsenal to, to win the title. Again, this is I, my memory is this. I watched this in the pub. I wasn't lucky enough to be at White Hart Lane, unfortunately, for this. And I watched this at the pub and it, obviously it was Chelsea-Newcastle before it, wasn't it? Mm. It was the earlier kickoff and um, Newcastle won. They got a late goal. I think they got a late goal, which meant obviously we only had to draw. And I was walking from my house to the pub when the Newcastle goal went in. So by the time I got to the pub, I knew we just needed a draw. And um, And it was just one of those games where you know, Tottenham Arsenal, I just, even now, I, I feel physically sick as soon as I wake up in the morning before <laughs> it. I, I just can't, I cannot enjoy an North London derby whatsoever until the full-time whistle goes. Um, but I had such an easy feeling about this one that I just, had, no, never did I think we were not going to do what we needed to do to, to win the title, mm. that they were going to beat us. And even though they came back and got those two late goals, even though the way it finished sort of still leaves a sour taste to my how they got that penalty at the end to make sure yeah. they got the draw. Um still annoys me when I see it but um yeah it was just it was just such a great day just in the pub winning the title at White Hart Lane and it was just just such a special just such a special memory I I, I really I was so gutted that I didn't go I couldn't get a ticket for it and as on hundreds of thousands of other Arsenal fans all around the world but just brilliant and seeing the celebrations at the end and the fact that they weren't going to celebrate and then Tottenham were celebrating the equaliser, so Henri and just like, oh, sod this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, we're going over to our fans. And, and yeah, it was just, just great, wasn't it? I mean, you'd, you'd sort of grown up listening to the stories about 1971 and winning, winning the league at Tottenham and then to mm. actually see it yourself in your lifetime um, was just, yeah, yeah, just a special day. It was amazing. And, like, even as frustrating as that late penalty was, in some ways, it, it, it you know, there was a a large coterie of their fans and certainly some of their players who thought that a draw was going to stop us yeah. winning the title. And they were celebrating. I mean, it was Thierry on it. was it Tariko and Henri is going like, what are you doing? And he's going, aha, we've stopped you. And he's going, no, you haven't, you yeah. idiot. We, we just need a draw. We've still won the title on your pitch. And that's when I yeah. think he said, uh, they, they told us not to celebrate. And I said, nah, no way. I'm going to celebrate with our fans here. And there was inflatable Premier League trophies. And when yeah. they eventually got Jens Lehmann out of the dressing room, when he came out of his fury over the penalty incident, um, you know, even he got involved in the in the fun and games. But yeah, winning it there, um, as, as much as anywhere. We've won it at Old Trafford, of course course but to win it um at their ground it just really hammers home the 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 gulf yeah yeah it's, it was it was special like you said i think the fact that some of them well probably about mm. half that stadium thought they had stopped us winning the title yeah. as well just made it even even sweeter and um yeah the celebrations about them was it ashley cole going and put in the uh inflatable trophy in the center spot yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was great how confident were you at that point that we could navigate those those final four games because i know this is something we've talked about you know on the podcast and um, amy's written about it in her book and everything else but the the goal of a season is to win the title mm. and when you achieve that it must be very difficult to maintain 
the levels of concentration and everything else that you need to to win football games because look you've seen it in the past where a team has won the title and their next game they go out and they lose to you know a Brighton or a Norwich or something like that because the game doesn't matter they've achieved what they set out to achieve that season there were four games still to go um, against uh, let me have a look here there was Birmingham Portsmouth Fulham and Leicester so relatively friendly fixtures in the in the grand scheme of things but were you confident that the team was going to be able to maintain that level i was after we got through the fratton park game the, the mm. Portsmouth form was the one that i was really worried about and um and i think we went behind in it didn't we and then reyes reyes got the equalizer in the uh, early in the second half and that was the one that i was always really really nervous about going there under the lights Fratton Park. i know we hammered him in the fa cup not long before hadn't mm. we when they'd given on a stand innovation but um that was the one i was really worried about i thought once we got through that one i was pretty confident that you know we'd get through because i think the last two were fulham it was fulham and and leicester wasn't it and reyes got the winner at fulham so that, yeah i it was it was always on the back of my mind but I, I just had if we get through portsmouth then we'll be all right mm. and um yeah i mean i i had no fear getting to that leicester game I had no fear that we were going to throw away. I admit my confidence was dented a little bit when Paul Dickov went and made it 1-0 and it was 1-0 at half-time. Former Arsenal player Paul Dickov yeah, exactly. as well. Like you know, they were like, what script is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but even then, I can't remember exactly what I was feeling. At that, but you still just thought that they're gonna, they'll find a way to, yeah. to get it done. It was it was at once that, that Portsmouth one was the one that I was I was worried about. And I mean, it, we could have lost that game easily. I mean, Yakubu yeah. had some great chances. Yakubu... Before I was doing this, I used to, I was a reporter for um, Reading, and uh, I was working at the Evening Paper down. There, and Reading signed Yakubu, and uh, I remember I sat there and in one of the interviews I did with him, we were sitting in the at their training ground at Reading, and I just spoke at length about that game and the memories of that game. Actually, it was before the um, FA Cup semi final. Oh yeah, Reading yeah. At Wembley, and I sat there with Yakubu, and we just spoke about that game, and I did, and the chances he had, and how he could have been the one to finished the Invincibles because he's from he was from um, he was Nigerian wasn't he Yukubi? yeah and all of his family were Arsenal fans and he said they still talk about that game <laughs> the fact that he could have been the guy that ended the Invincibles run oh my goodness and um, Lehman made a couple of really good saves one on one and he missed a couple of chances and yeah it was a, that was a nervy one Worth just pointing out the the arrival of uh, Jose Antonio Reyes that January, you know, paid dividends because he, you know, he scored those amazing goals against Chelsea um, yeah. in the FA Cup. But that contribution he made towards the end when perhaps players were running on empty a little bit, um, you know, Henri had given so much and Perez had scored, you know, to have a guy who added that extra bit of quality to your squad at a time where you're bringing him in when you've, you've got some of the best forwards in the world anyway, mm-hmm. you know, it, it showed the value of, of that transfer. Even if things didn't work out in the long run for, for Reyes, that was a piece of business which has contributed hugely to, you know, what remains a unique achievement. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I got, I, you know, I've got very fond memories of Jose. Mm. It was a shame it didn't quite work out as we all probably thought it, it might the way he started, he just never really settled. But that that contribution at the end of that season, those two goals in it, it were absolutely key. I mean, the Portsmouth one especially. And the, we didn't actually talk about that Chelsea game when his debut well, yeah. was his debut. He scored his own goal on his debut, didn't he? The, That's right, Middlesbrough, at Middlesbrough away in the, in the League Cup semi-final. Cup, yeah. But I think it was his home debut, wasn't it? And um, and those two goals. I mean, that one he picked out the top corner to yeah. equalise. It was just well, what a goal that was. And uh, yeah, that was a, that was a special memory from that year actually that we hadn't spoken about. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, later on when, when we get to this sort of second half of this year, uh, Reyes, absolutely one of my favourite Arsenal hybrid moments was uh, down to that man later on in 2004. Okay, well, let's go there because, you know, I think we, we, we all understand and know how brilliant the, the Invincible season was. Was there anything from that summer that you want to pick out um, before we sort of crack on towards the, the second half of 2004 in terms of transfers? I mean, there was a lot of talk about Patrick Vieira going to Real Madrid. Um, I yeah. shudder to think what, what Arsenal Twitter would have been like at that time if there was such a thing as, as Twitter with all those stories about Vieira and, and Madrid and all the, oh, the stuff that used to surround that. But um, in the summer, I mean, it was uh, transfer window... Manuel Almunia, Matthew Flamini. It was pretty, it was much pretty quiet. Yeah. Flamini came yeah. in, didn't he? That, um, yeah, it was pretty quiet. I do remember the, the Vieira stuff was mad that summer. Again, going back to, I was big into, uh, I was majorly into my clubbing back then. And you know, I'd pick up the, the sort of Saturday morning paper or the news of the world on the Sunday on the backs as I'm coming out of the club and getting the train home. And every single time it seemed to be the back page splash was... Vieira agrees to Real move, he's yeah. in transfer request. It was just constantly about Vieira and the people that I was with, loads of Spurs fans, Chelsea fans, were just hurling abuse at me. <laughs> oh, your captain's gone. It just felt like that was such a saga that summer. And yeah, yeah. I can't imagine what it would have been like if uh, Twitter was around back, back then. Um, but in terms of the actual doing business, it wasn't, it wasn't really a dramatic summer, really, was it? A few players left. I think Sylvan, Sylvan left. Um, yeah, well, a couple yeah. of the sort of legends moved on, didn't they? It was Pat, uh, Martin. Martin Keown went Ray Parlour. Yeah, he left that year. So it was just about sort of a few departures, really. It wasn't, maybe that's what ended up costing us that season, that we couldn't keep pace with Mourinho's Chelsea. They didn't really strengthen perhaps the squad when they when they needed to yeah. that summer. That, that season did start very well, though. If this, I think it was five, was it five, five wins. I was looking at it earlier and I've got it here. It was in the league. They scored a load of goals. Yeah, they five wins in a row. Four one five three three nil four one three nil, um, and I remember Reyes was absolutely flying then, didn't he? Started it. I, I spoke the the charity shield that summer. He, Reyes destroyed United at Cardiff, mm. and then he carried it on in the league. He scored in like all of the first few games, didn't he? Like success. Yeah, games. he had a hugely um, productive start to that season. I mean, the, yeah. the charity shield. We saw Cesc Fabregas start to make his mark at Arsenal. He'd signed in, in 2003, but didn't really play a great deal apart from League Cup and stuff in the 2003-2004 yeah. season. But, you know, he was there and, you know, you could see immediately this is a, a young man who's who's got something about him. And Reyes, I mean, I suppose the, the Middlesbrough game is one that's high on the list. It is. And that's what, it's one of my favourite ever days at mm. Highbury, that. And Reyes' goal um, is right is right up there. You know, it's one of those goals when you see the clip on Twitter doing the rounds, like you can't not watch it. You have yeah, to watch yeah, it yeah, every yeah. single time and have it turned <laughs> up. And, you know, Martin Tyler's stand-up for the champion. It was just the most perfectly timed call you'll ever get. And, you know, those sort of celebrations when you're you're in a stadium and a goal goes in, when you end up four rows down <laughs> and, like, you're with, you're with yeah, someone. Yeah. Like, I, I sat obviously next to my dad and... You kind of look around, and your dad's over there somewhere, and you're over here, and you think, "What? Yeah, what's <laughs> How have I managed yeah, yeah. to get down here?" It was just, just crazy, straight from the kickoff. After being three-one down, thinking you'd blown it, because I think that was the game that we had to win to or avoid defeat to set the whole new record to beat Forest's record, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. And um, suddenly you found yourself three-one down uh, in with about forty minutes to go, or whatever it was, and 
and it was just again it was a sort of marker of that team back then that they 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 came back Pires, I think Pires made it 3-2 was it Pires and mm, Bergkamp Bergkamp uh, made it 3-2 and then Pires Reyes 3-3 and then from from the kickoff from 3-3 it was we won possession Bergkamp to Reyes and it was such a good goal from Reyes he had so much to do right footed shot as well like you yeah. know this is a left footed guy and he cut yeah, in no, on his right foot, foot yeah. yeah so much to do the little chop inside that he yeah. did to turn the defender and then drilling it in the top corner. It was that, that moment when the shot happens and you're in the stadium and you just, the angle you're at, you're not yeah. sure if it's in or not and you just wait for the net to bulge. And when it does, just bedlam. And yeah, it's one of the, it's one of my favourite celebrations and a moment in the Highbury sunshine. It was, uh, yeah, it was really... So, uh, it's an unbelievable game, an amazingly yeah. entertaining game of football, I'm sure, for the neutral, but for Arsenal fans, you know, it's just one of the great games. Uh, it was. And at that point, you know, yeah. you, you really... You kind of knew Chelsea meant business that season and you knew they were coming because of what was going on with the mm. money. And it was... I think even the 2003-04 season, you kind of knew it was inevitable even then that you had to kind of enjoy enjoy it because Chelsea were, yeah. you know, there was only one way they were going at that point. And, um, but the way we started the season, you kind of felt maybe we can hold them off for, for one more year, but unfortunately it didn't happen. But I think it's, I'll just count it now, the first eight games, it was seven wins and one draw. So it wasn't until Old Trafford um, in October that... Mm. Obviously, that derailed, kind of derailed everything, and they kind of mentally, I think, it it knocked them for six, yeah. having not lost for so long, to suddenly lose, and you could see what happened in the reactions to that in the games that followed. How just mentally it knocked them off kilter, hadn't yeah. it? I suppose we have to talk about that a bit. I think there's one more really positive moment we can take from 2004, but but you know, 49 games unbeaten, they reportedly had the t-shirts, you know, with 50 on them, um, and you know, I watched this. I won't, I won't say too recently, but I watched this in the last year and a half or so. And like, I'm not one for refereeing conspiracy theories, really. But holy shit, what it's, United got away with that day is just, it. it's not credible that it was just incompetent refereeing to my mind. It's scandalous. And it, remain, it will always mm. remain scandalous. And I hate the way that, a lot of rival fans will sort of have a go and say, oh, shut up, you're, you're biased, conspiracy theories. Watch that game. Yeah, watch, watch it. Watch those decisions. Yeah. Watch what wasn't even classed as a foul. And it is just the most remarkable refereeing performance uh, I've ever seen, yeah. ever. And, I mean, I think that guy is now heading up refereeing in this country. I know. Just it explains a lot, in fairness. I just, like you said, it's just... It's hard to pass it off as just a poor refereeing performance because you just look at it and think you can't, you can't. Yeah. A park referee couldn't yeah. give some of those decisions, and yeah, it will. It'll always be be very leave a very bitter taste, wasn't it? And it was, and unfortunately, it sort of knocked them totally knocked them off their stride. But yeah, that that, that Mike Riley, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it did. It did give us Pizzagate, at least, didn't it? It so, did give us know. Pizzagate. Yeah, I, I remember speaking to Jeremy Aliadier, who was in the um, change room that day, and 
it, I was just, it's just in hysterics, just imagining, even when you hear people talk about it and the, the noise of the pizza hitting and then the <laughs> silence that follows, you can't, you can't not laugh, imagine in your head. Yeah what actually what that looked like <laughs> i know i know i know people because of everything that's happened have their own opinions of of sesc fabregas and and everything else but you know for that moment alone they should be able to put aside the disappointment of the barcelona thing or the chelsea thing and remember that at the height of the rivalry with manchester united he threw a piece of pizza which smashed into alex ferguson's chin and shirt and all down his front um i mean how can you how can you not love that amazing what a rivalry though i mean yeah. that is that for me is just that arsenal man united that, that era from what 98 or 97 to basically 2004 2005 I mean just mm. it was just it's my favorite era of football for me I still think it's the best Premier League era I don't think we'll ever have a rivalry like it no. again in terms of how intense it was how much the teams hated each other the quality of the games um yeah it's just it was such a special time and um there's just so many moments from Arsenal Man United that you can pick during that that time and um yeah <laughs> says <laughs> smacking Ferguson with pieces. <laughs> you couldn't make it up, could you? you no, can... not really. Let's uh, let me just pick one final thing before we go. Um, you know, towards the end of two thousand and four there was uh, an incredible North London Derby mm. at White Hart Lane. Um, again, one of those games that you could go back if you someone posts the the YouTube or whatever on Twitter, you you've got to watch it all the way through. Tottenham four, Arsenal five just an amazing game of football some brilliant goals and yeah. that they scored that many against us and still couldn't win is it remains hilarious to me yeah absolutely I, I've got a weird story about that game um I wasn't there I was this is back in the days when I'd sort of starting out as a journalist and I was a junior news reporter for the Windsor and Slough Express um because <laughs> I, I live I went to school in Windsor I live around Baden and Barcher and um I was a news reporter for then, and that day, Windsor and Eton, no, sorry, Slough Town, who were playing, because they didn't have a home then, were playing at Windsor and Eton's football ground, were playing Walsall in the FA Cup first round, Walsall managed by Paul Merson. Right. And um, and I'd put my hand up to go, because it was obviously a very big day. We had our usual sports reporter there, but I sort of put my hand up saying, I'll help, I'll help, I'll go to it, and and do, I think I was down to be doing sort of fan stuff, like going speaking to the fans and that sort of stuff. And it was a three o'clock kickoff and Arsenal Spurs was 12.30 yeah, that day. That's right, yeah. And I went to watch it in the pub and my plan was to leave about half an hour to go to make sure <laughs> I got to the to, to the to the Windsor Stadium in time for the kickoff at Slough versus mm. uh, Walsall. And there was just no way I was leaving that pub with half an hour to go with no, no. the way things were going. And obviously it was a twelve thirty kickoff, and I think by the time the game finished, the way it had gone, I must have had about six points in me by then. <laughs> and I remember having to charge across Windsor by foot to the stadium, which is on the other side of town, getting into the stadium, getting through the turnstiles. The game already kicked off, getting through the turnstiles, and literally the first thing I did as I got through the turnstiles was trip over the step, go crashing into this lady who was standing <laughs> on the side for the game, thinking, "Oh God, this is going to be a long day." And, uh, but it was Slough beat with Slough beat. Uh, Merson's team. I think Merson got sacked straight after it. Um, Slough beat him one 0 knocked him out. It was a massive FA Cup shock. But yeah, that's uh, my one of my overriding memories from that day. Is, uh, 
what I, what I should have been doing and what I ended up not doing because I yeah. just could not leave the pub because it was the most remarkable North London derby you yeah, could yeah. see. Well, there you go. There's a salutary lesson for any young journalists or reporters <laughs> listening out there. <laughs> if you're ever Absolutely. stuck watching a North London derby, it ends up 5-4. You're perfectly entitled to go six pints in to cover your next assignment. So, <laughs> listen, <laughs> Charles, thanks a million for uh, reliving this with us. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. 2004 was a, was a great year. Ups and downs, but the ups were, were far better, I think, than the downs. Thanks a million. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. So, man, cheers, Andrew. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you very much indeed to Charles. You can find him on Twitter at Charles underscore Watts. That's at Charles underscore Watts. And of course, he writes about Arsenal for goal.com. Right. Let's leave it there for this one. As ever, thank you very much indeed for being here and for listening, for downloading and all the rest. And we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.